Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters in Christ. I uh, wish to say, like the Apostle Paul, that I long to see you guys face to face. And uh, this is so good, but I will not say Satan hindered me. Uh, it's just various craziness that we were all in in the last two years, trying to uh, run our own centers and seeing how things were going. Uh, this afternoon, I will share uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. We'll continue on the exposition on First Thessalonians, and I've entitled it Truth for Life. Truth for Life. As we read the past two chapters, you cannot miss how when Paul wrote First Thessalonians chapter 1, the, the chapter 1 exploded with thanksgiving as Paul recounted their amazing progress in their faith. And so we, we have been sharing how they were a model church, they were model believers that we all can strive to become. And truly, in the past one month in the, since the Ukraine-Russian war, we've been reading, we've been hearing how various churches, both in Ukraine and the neighboring countries like uh, Romania, Poland, rising up to take care of the fleeing refugees, isn't it? And even just this week, when I was in a coffee shop, I bumped into someone who is now living in Austria. And she is attending a church, and the pastor has been it's opened up the church for people to stay, for refugees to stay, and calling all the church members to prepare a room in their house to house the refugees. And they're all rising up to do this. And it's just been so heartwarming to see the Church of Jesus Christ responding to this crisis. What a powerful testimony of the church around. And, and they're just modeling what the Thessalonica church were doing. But when we go into chapter 2, particularly verse 1 to 12, Paul began an apostolic defense of his ministry. And we begin to share how they were model messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the scripture described Paul and his team, they were as innocent children. They were gentle mothers. And they were nurturing fathers. And uh, it proved what kind of men they were among the Thessalonians. Now, now we come to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. And Paul began to thank God for the Thessalonians believers again. Scholars refer to this back and forth. You were looking at the evangelists in chapter 1, and then you move back to the evangelizers, and now you move back again, the next three, four verses, back into the evangelists again. You know, Paul must be so very proud of each one of them. So what else did he thank God for? The church. Isn't chapter 1 good enough? Well, apparently not. So let's read the passage this uh, afternoon to see what else did Paul thank God for. So reading from verse 13 in the ESV, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, 
and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. So this afternoon, I want to bring to you the second tranche of thanksgiving from the Apostle Paul. And essentially, it shows us a very vivid description how the truth, the word of truth, should impact us. So pray with me as we commit this time to the Lord. Almighty God, we ask for your cleansing grace and power in all of our lives. Would you right now open our ears, quicken our hearts, so that we might hear your voice speaking to our individual and our collective experience. So be with us this afternoon. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A vivid description how the word of truth should impact us. And the first, the word of truth must change us. Look at verse 13 again. And we also thank God constantly for this, that you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it not as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 already tells us that they received the word of God in much affliction. But here in verse 13, Paul adds on by saying they accepted the word of God as the word of God, not as the words of men. Now you begin to see a very clear process in verse 13 how God's truth must change us. First, they received the word of God. This word received points to the reception of teachings from a teacher by a student. Later on in the New Testament, this word is commonly used in relation to the transmission and the reception of the apostolic doctrines. Now, there was a very clear recognition on the Thessalonians' part that that which they receive, they receive it with a sense of sacredness. It was much more transcendent than just the words or the philosophy of men. They received. Paul continues to say they accepted the word of God. One commentator remarked that while accepted is almost synonymous with received in the previous verse or previous clause, this verb commonly places more emphasis on personal appropriation. So another scholar said it was a wholehearted welcome and indicated their high estimate of the value of the Word of God. In other words, the Testament believers wholeheartedly welcomed the sacred Word of God and they appropriated it for themselves. Now this leads us to the final description, how the truth of God's Word impacted the people. Paul says they were energised by the Word of God. Energised. The Word of God that was received divinely and sacredly, accepted personally and wholeheartedly, began to work in the believers. The Greek word for the word work is anagotai. Anagotai, it is also written in the present tense. It is where we get the English word energize. Now, can you see the process of change that Paul is bringing us through? That once the word of God is received sacredly, accepted personally and wholeheartedly, 
it becomes an active and energizing power operating continually in the present tense, continually in the believer's lives. And therefore, when it is at work, when the word of truth is at work in our life for those who believe, there must, there must be a change in our behavior and bring forth constant fruitfulness. So one Bible teacher puts this this way, God's word energizes people and produces faith and repentance and obedience. Allow me to summarize point one for us. That is, the way we receive, the way we accept the Word of God will determine the way we are energized or empowered by the Word of God. Let me say that again. The way we receive, the way we accept the Word of God will determine the way we, in which we are energized and empowered by the Word of God. Yes, the Word of Truth of God's Word must change us. Allow me to apply this very specifically to something that I heard this week. I was driving, listening to the BBC, and I heard this global kindness survey that was carried out by the University of Success in the United Kingdom. This was done during the, this pandemic. In fact, more specifically, last year, there were 60,000 people who participated in this survey across 144 countries. And one of the specific questions that was asked was this, what are the first words that come to mind when you think of kindness? What are the first words that come to mind when you think of kindness? I would love for you all to exchange and find out what are the words you have in mind when you think of kindness. But this, from the 60,000 people, top five words that comes. Number one, empathy, care, helping, thoughtfulness, compassion. Now, what has this got to do with my servant point today? I believe when we receive the Word of God, when we accept the Word of God, it will energize us and activate a change with very visible attributes, and I'm just using it to apply them, perhaps one of those key attributes that has to surface in our relationship with human beings. Kindness, I think, is a worthwhile attribute. The Bible says that if we walk by the Spirit, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians 5, verse 22, 23, already tells us there are nine fruits, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'm just focusing on one fruit, that's all. Kindness. I know there are many things in our life that God will continue to knock and chisel and fashion each one of us. But for today, let's just start with kindness. Ephesians 4, 32 says, Be kind to one another. I know you will take a lifetime for God to do all His transformation in our life because there are so many rough ages in each one of us. But as I say today, let's begin with kindness. Sin in what? Empathy, care, helping, thoughtfulness, compassion. And if we do so, I believe we are one step forward in God's visible change in our inner life 
and our outer behaviour and manifestation. Yes, the word of truth must change us. Let me move to the second point for today, which is the word of truth will cause us. Looking at verse 14 to 16 once again as I read it, For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 already tells us how the Thessalonian believers imitated after Paul, they imitated after Jesus. But in verse 14 here, we were told that they were now imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that were in Judea. Now, what does that mean? Well, verse 15 gives us the answer. It says, For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Now, in other words, I believe Paul was tenderly reminding the Thessalonians believers they were not the first people to be afflicted for the sake of the gospel. They were not alone in their suffering and their experience was not unique. The early churches and Jews in Judea were the very first to be persecuted by their fellow Jews. But likewise, right now, the Thessalonians face persecutions from their fellow Gentiles. The hearty welcome of the truths of God and the gospel brought them into direct conflict and suffering. Yes, believing in the word of truth will cause us. It caused them. Now, Paul went on to a very strong outburst in verse 15 and 16 against the Jews. He listed six acts of persecution in these two verses. Let me run through them with you. Number one, they killed the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we all know that while Jesus was sentenced to death by Pontius Pilate under Roman rule because only the Romans could issue a death sentence, but the gospel account tells us it was the Jews, the leaders, the Sanhedrin council, they were out to nail Jesus. Because in the gospel account, at about 12 midnight, Jesus got arrested. And then they were trying to gather every member who's probably deep in their sleep in their pajamas, quickly get them out to this meeting. And what do you quickly pronounce a judgment against Jesus, gathering false witnesses? And the, the whole joke was that even the witnesses' testimony were conflicting against each other. You see, they were not seeking for the truth. They were out to nail Jesus. Number two, they also killed the prophets. And here I simply want to highlight King Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 19. It's an example how prophets were killed by the ruling establishment. It showed the leaders and the people's rebellion against God's purposes and His plans. The third, the people drove us out. And here Paul is simply highlighting his own experience. He has been so often expelled. The moment he was converted, he was expelled. In all his missionary journey in the different cities, he was expelled a lot of time. The Thessalonians knew this to be true because after three Sabbaths, he was expelled out of the city rather quickly. The fourth, and they displeases God. I'll take the next one together and oppose all Mankind Take these two persecuting actions together. Not only did they rebel against God, they also turned on their fellow human beings. In what way? 
the final act of persecution, verse 16, by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. From what we read in the accounts of the journeys of Paul in Acts, the Jewish community in many cities really make an effort to stop Paul and his co-workers from preaching to the Gentiles. And they managed to silence them in more than one occasion. Now, it's no wonder Paul uses this occasion right now to recount their consistent opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ by hindering them from preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. In this sixth action, what does it show us? Yes, the truth of the gospel caused the life of Jesus. It also caused much pain and persecution to the Apostle Paul and his team. There's yet a final cause. Highlighted in verse 16, is the cause to the perpetrators and the offenders of God. The scripture reads, So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. The clause to fill up the measure of their sins carries the idea that there is a limit to which where sin can go. But once the point is reached, divine judgment will come. And the best biblical example of this is found in Genesis 15, 16, pursuing to the sin of the Amorites. The scripture reads, And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquities of the Amorites is not yet complete. God allowed the Amorites, even though in a sinful life, to continue for four generations because their sin is not yet complete. You jump over to the New Testament in Romans chapter 2, the Bible reminds us God's kindness and forbearance is meant to give people time to repent and turn to Him. His truth is meant to save us and not to condemn us. But, but if unrepentance persists, then there will come a time for the final judgment. And as seen in verse 16, but wrath has come upon them at last. While Paul assured the Thessalonians believers in chapter 1, verse 10, and chapter 5, verse 9, that they will escape from the wrath of God. But the Jews who have opposed the divine plans and who have filled up the measure of their sins will in no way escape their punishment. So the Bible teacher Warren Worsby summarizes this very well. He says, in one sense, judgment had already fallen on Israel, for they were a scattered people, and their nation in Palestine was under Roman rule. But an even greater judgment was to fall in the future. For in AD 70, the Roman armies besieged Jerusalem, destroyed the city and the temple, and ended the period of God's patience with His people during the ministry of the apostles. It is tragic but true that the righteous suffered because of the sins of the wicked. Indeed, saints have been saved to the uttermost, but sinners will experience wrath to the uttermost. Sinners will experience wrath to the uttermost. Brothers and sisters, let's be forewarned that there is an incalculable cost to pay for one's persistence, rebellion, and sin against God's truth. 
And therefore, don't take God's grace and patience for granted. Let me to summarize and, and therefore apply point two for us. The word of truth will cost us. It costs Jesus' his life. It costs the Apostle Paul various intense uh, persecution and conflict. And it will likewise cost us as we continue to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Allow me first to speak to some of you here who may not be a Christian or may not be a believer. And when you hear this, that one day the truth of God will judge you, you might wonder why. And I want to appeal to you that God is patient, God is kind, He has no intention to see you suffer in internal damnation. He loves you, and that's why He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for your sins. And that's why you are hearing this today. It is a divine moment for you today so that you open up your hearts to consider the sacrifice and the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And when you open your hearts to Him like the Thessalonians believers, you will be spared from the wrath of God. I urge you, my friend, today to seek for the truth and see if the claims of Jesus be true and valid. Don't ignore it. Don't sweep it under the carpet because the truth of God will set us free. It will break every bondage in our life and gives you the resources to handle the most difficult trials and challenges in our life. So at the end of the service, just scan the QR code for the newcomers. If you really want to know more about the truth of God, just scan that and one of us from this community will journey with you. Don't hesitate. Don't delay any longer because God is waiting for you. Let me now speak with the believers. As I said, the word of truth will cause us as we live in this world. Why? Because every lawlessness and every godlessness will rise against the word of the truth in the end times. I suppose it's what Mordecai faced in the book of Esther when he refused to bow down and pay homage to Haman, the entire Jewish race suddenly comes under the danger of extermination. And as the time for Jesus draws near, the Bible tells us to be prepared for persecution and suffering. And when we choose to stand by the word of truth, there will be a cost that we must be willing and prepared to pay. Thankfully, in Singapore, we're experiencing great peace and harmony. But we will know that in recent times, there's been various push and boundaries on the laws and morality. And what we need to do as a people of God first is to have various dialogues and conversation openly amongst us and across generations. Because even from one generation to the next generation amongst us as believers, we can't even agree on the same thing. But it is important for us to dialogue and hear one another in respect and kindness. When we learn to do so, we are able to do so with others, even outside of our shipful. And therefore, to dialogue with friends who are not sharing the same faith with us, but to do so lovingly and respectfully. I've also chosen to apply something here. I know the context has to do with persecution, but I thought it's also important to apply on this issue of suffering in our life. Somehow, many of us struggle with the notion why Christians should suffer. 
Because whenever we hear of a good Christian who suddenly get diagnosed with a terminal disease or get involved in some tragedy or suffer from a heart attack and die immediately and so on, our theology collapses. It somehow cannot hold the idea of suffering in our faith journey. And I want to encourage you to think through this because the sooner and the quicker we wrestle with what this worldview, what suffering is about in the life of a Christian and a believer, then the stronger we are able to face disease and suffering in this world. Otherwise, when we encounter things, we will suffer a root shock because our theology cannot accommodate this suffering in our life. I found John Piper very helpful here because he studied all the various passages of Scripture that talks about suffering, and he articulated these five reasons why suffering takes place. One, repentance. Suffering is a call for us and others to turn from treasuring anything on earth above God. I think there's a lot of truth there we need to meditate on. Reliance. Suffering is a call to trust God, not the life-sustaining props of this world. Three, righteousness. Suffering is the discipline of our loving Heavenly Father so that we come to share His holiness. Four, reward. Suffering is working for us a great reward in heaven that will make up for every loss here a thousandfold. Finally, reminder. Suffering reminds us that God sent His Son into the world to suffer so that our suffering would not be God's condemnation, but His purification. Let me close this segment with this illustration. Many of us would have been equated with this person called the Nightbird in American God Talent. And when she came into the scene, remember, she was suffering from cancer. And the world was so amazed by her enthusiasm, her courage, and even her joy in the midst of deep suffering and pain. And this is what she has to say. I remind myself that I'm praying to the God who let the Israelites stay lost for decades. They begged to arrive in the promised land, but instead he let them wander. Answering prayers, they didn't pray. For 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Fire lit their paths each night. Every morning, He sent them mercy bread from heaven. I look hard for the answers to the prayers that I didn't pray. In conclusion for today's sermon, this is how the word of truth should impact us. Number one, the word of truth must change us. And the question we need to consider is, are we experiencing deep and lasting change? Deep and lasting change. Secondly, the word of truth will cause us. And therefore, are we prepared to face persecution and endure suffering for the sake of the gospel? Well, the Thessalonians did. But the gospel changed them completely and give them faith, hope, and courage in the face of persecution and suffering. And that's why Paul is so proud of them. That's why he was so thankful for their life and testimony. 
Let me close with this true story. It all began with a sister by the name of Belinda Chong. In 2019, she prayed the sinner's prayer with a good friend, Anne Raymond. They have been colleagues for 16 years. I pause to say that many of us have been trying to reach our parents, colleagues, of which over years and years and years, and they have still not yet opened their hearts to receive Christ. But this testimony tells us after 16 years, she finally prayed to receive Christ. I urge you to press on. Our job is to keep sowing, sowing and sowing. But allow God at the right time to bring about heaven's blessings to those we are trying to reach for Christ. Now from that point onwards, an amazing trail of miraculous conversions began to take place in this family. First, Belinda's daughter, Joanne, started attending our CFC youth service and covenant group. Next, Belinda's husband, 2019 September anniversary, came for the anniversary, raised his hand to receive Christ. Next, Belinda's mother, who was suffering from some illness, asked for prayer. She had a miraculous healing and she opened up her hearts to Christ. God does heal and we got to there to pray. Next, Belinda's father, who had some troubles and challenges in his life, shared the gospel, was baptized on one Saturday, and then shockingly, that week after that, his baptism, he went home to the Lord. Then he went on to Belinda's sister-in-law, Shirley, and Shirley's son, Louis Chong, now, I wish I have done a, a map for you. Huh? It's just one to the next, one to the next. But let me focus on this that is very, very encouraging. Belinda brought her bilingual Uncle Chong Siu Lam to the Chinese Alpha last year, 2021 August. But he didn't want to continue because Siu Lam prefers to speak in English. But there's no English Alpha at that time. So what happened? The Zoe mentor refused to give up, sent him to a cell group. The cell group was very magnanimous. Journey with him, brought him out to many, many makans, just spending a lot of personal time with him. And one day at the covenant group meeting, he opened up his heart to receive Christ. And very soon, he was being baptized. During this time, he received news that he was diagnosed with terminal stage cancer. This plug that the CG gave to them out various scriptural promises, which during his funeral subsequently, it was placed right at the front. You know, when I met Siulam about three weeks ago, after the service, he came to shake my hand. And he said, Pastor, just a wonderful service of worshipping God. He was so joyous. He was so happy. And I never for one moment thought, that he was a cancer patient. I know all this story only after the fact because that week, he went home to God. And I didn't even know that was the last time that I would see him. There's something that I must tell you that is really, really amazing. Siulam has a nickname. 
His nickname is not a good nickname. It's called Champion Loser. Champion Loser. In Chinese, it's called Su Shen, not Shen. Su Shen. Very good at losing. During the baptism, the son said, no, we got to change his name. And guess what name did they change to? God wins. God wins. And so that is his name. Even at the niche that is at the memory hall, God wins. That was an encouragement I received greatly in the last one month. Such an encouragement. Brothers and sisters, we began with someone who refused to let up a colleague for 16 years. And when Belinda prayed to receive Christ, all heaven broke loose, not the other one, not all hell broke loose, all heaven broke loose. And one after the other come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And for Siulam, no longer a champion loser, but God wins. Praise be to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, our life has been redeemed by God. And there may be situations in our life right now that can be further redeemed by Christ. No matter where we are, no matter how we are. Today, we don't just have the written word of truth with us. We have the living word of truth, Jesus, in us, with us, and He says He will go ahead of us, and He is coming back very soon. And I pray that that living Word of God will be with us as we journey on. Come and eat of Him so that we will not hunger. Come and drink of Him so that we will not thirst again. May the Lord help us to persevere even in all circumstances in our life. Let's pray together. as the worship team comes up. Be still, my friends. God is here. God is with you. And He knows exactly where you are today. Just open up your hearts to Him. Let Him come. Let Him do His energizing work in you. So that we can worship him and let God be the lamb unto our feet and the light unto our path. Let the written word of God and the living word, Christ Himself, journey with us. I invite you to stand with us. And let's worship God with this song. Thy word is the Lamb. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's word. And we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.